0: It's Curious City, where we take
1: your questions
0: about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore, from WBEZ. The West Calumet
1: housing complex was made up of small duplexes and family units in East Chicago, Indiana. Many residents say the public housing complex was a nice place to live. The community was close, some say like family but it was also built on the site of an old lead smelter that polluted the ground with lead and arsenic. The government knew about the pollution for years but didn't do anything about it. The area became so toxic, with health risks so high, that in 2016, the mayor ordered all the residents to leave. More than a 1,000 people were given just three months' notice before they were forced to move out. Demetra Turner was one of those residents. She had moved in just a month before the mayor's order, I first met her at a protest over how the government had handled things. F-A, we're here to Climate justice is the way! Why would
2: they continue to move residents in a place that they have known was contaminated right. for
1: years? Yeah. Tara Adams was also forced to move out of the complex.
0: When you plan to move, and when you want to move, you save. I wasn't prepared mentally or financially to move right now.
1: I'm reporter Kevin Stark, and Curious City has gotten a lot of questions about Demetra and Tara's former neighborhood, the location of one of the largest cases of lead exposure in U.S. history. People wondering, what happened to folks who lived in the West Calumet housing complex? Where did they go? Where are they now? More than 1,100 people had to move from West Calumet. But to answer this week's question, we'll focus on Tara and Dimitra's experience with pollution. Their fight to get a roof over their head, their struggles to navigate a Byzantine bureaucracy. We'll learn that even when things worked out, it came with consequences. It's been nearly a year since Tara and her kids were forced to leave West Calumet. Tara is one of a few people who say things have actually gone well for her. But it hasn't been easy. Before the leg crisis, the big thing happening in Tara Adams' life was job-related. Tara was teaching special education at a public school in East Chicago, but she needed to pass a test to get her long-term license if she wanted to keep teaching.
0: That test was giving me a whooping. Then a
1: letter from the mayor arrived in the mail telling Tara that she had to move out.
0: So what did you do? I started looking for a place. If I had to move, right, if I had to leave East Chicago, the school system had to be better than where I'm coming from. That was my first thing.
1: She visited with local housing authority officials several times a week. They expected Tara and other residents to take the lead in finding a new place to live. But she wasn't finding much. To understand why, you need to know a little background on the public housing. The West Calumet Complex was operated by the East Chicago Housing Authority. People living there paid lower rent based on income. With the complex gone, the Housing Authority didn't have immediate plans to rebuild it. So they went with Plan B, passing out housing vouchers. In theory, residents could use the vouchers to pay rent to private landlords.
0: And the houses that were available were like on abandoned streets. Like, it'll be two, three houses on one street, and then you have all these wooded areas or abandoned houses, I'm like, I can't do that, I can't do that.
1: The reason there were so few options was because many landlords didn't accept the vouchers. They were reluctant to rent to people who lived in public housing. Indiana doesn't have a state law that protects people from this kind of discrimination. What were you experiencing when you were talking to landlords and stuff?
0: I got a lot of hang-ups. I don't take section at click. That was the biggest thing. There's no click.
1: Then one day, in a meeting with housing officials, she got some good news. They told her they found a place in Hobart that she might like. She set up a meeting to go see the house and brought her daughter along.
0: My baby girl was like, Mommy, I like this. I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: So her family moved to Hobart, an Indiana city about 20 minutes away. Tara actually really liked it. Her teenage daughter was fitting in well at school. As for the house, it's an improvement. Laundry, plenty of space. A few months later, she decided to retake that test she needed for her new job, the one that had given her trouble, and she passed.
0: So I began to cry, and I began to praise God, because I had been through so much. I I did it. Like Okay, I had to go through it, but it worked out for me. Okay, lost my job. Guess what? I have a job now. I make more money now. Had to move. Have a better place now. Have a better school district for my daughter. Tara makes
1: it sound like everything wrapped up neatly with a bow, but she had to make a really big sacrifice. She has a 24-year-old daughter, Liesia, who prior to the leg crisis had a baby boy, DJ. DJ had been born several months premature, and Liesia had moved back home so Tara could help. Liesia depended on it, especially because DJ needed extra care. But Tara and Liesia couldn't find a home together, so they had to split up. Liesia moved with her son into a small apartment in East Chicago. The move broke up her family.
0: Excuse me, it's my daughter.
1: Leasia puts her son on the phone.
0: Hey, Stink. Hey, mommy. How are you, baby? Hey. Huh? Are oh, you not going to your game?
1: Tara had hoped to raise her grandson day to day, but the distance makes that impossible. So Tara's story: better school, better job, better home. That's what the housing authority wanted for all residents. But remember, Demetra Turner. The other woman I met at the protest? People say her experience is more common. I went to see her at the house where she's been living, temporarily.
2: This is the kitchen. We're not really gonna be able to get in here because I got a lot of stuff packed up in there. Mm-hmm. I am raring to go. I'm... What's, in the, what's in all these boxes? <laughs> uh, some everything, household supplies, pots and pans, you know.
1: Demetra's planning for a fourth move in less than two years. She planned to live in West Calumet for a long time, but she was
2: only there for a month when she got a letter saying she had to leave. So from then on, it was absolute chaos. Every time you called a place, it was at least 20 people had already called it. Just
1: like Tara, Dimitra faced fierce competition, complicated bureaucracy, and landlords that wouldn't accept vouchers. Unlike Tara, Dimitra wasn't able to find anything the housing authority moved her into emergency housing. She says it was located in an area with a lot of crime, and she didn't feel safe. And um, so how long were you in that?
2: I was was in there exactly a month and four days.
1: While in emergency housing, Demetra heard about a place in Joliet, Illinois. A few problems. She'd have to move to Illinois, but her job was in East Chicago, Indiana, to get to her job from Joliet meant taking a bus into the loop, transferring, and taking another bus to East Chicago. The whole trip could take two or three hours. She said she didn't love the place. It was small, but she felt desperate. She took it. And what happened to your job? I had to quit. And that wasn't the only issue.
2: Soon she realized that the apartment had bugs. I'm talking about big, huge black spiders that I've only seen on TV. To put
1: it simply, the move wasn't good. Demetria lost her job, she doesn't like her new city, and she felt trapped. Things got so bad that she decided to move again.
2: I'm still looking, and I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to end up having to move out of here and move in with somebody else in order to keep looking.
1: Most locals agree the process like the one Tara and Demetria went through, conducted by the East Chicago Housing Authority and assisted by the federal government, was rushed and chaotic. The goal of that settlement was to provide resources and assistance to move people to what they call priority areas, clean homes with access to transportation and job openings nearby. But residents say a lot of people ended up in worse neighborhoods and away from their community. The Housing Authority hired a firm that specializes in public housing moves. But they say they had just three months to work with about 200 families. By the time they were on the ground, only a few dozen families were left. Federal housing officials insist they only assisted the East Chicago Housing Authority. They say the voucher system is an optional program, and they defend the relocation process and claim that about 40% of families moved to less segregated neighborhoods and 90% moved to places with less poverty. But those numbers only represent the families who got assistance. The federal housing officials acknowledge they didn't help all the eligible families find a place to live. Many people just up and left, and they have no idea where they are. Here's James Cunningham, HUD's deputy director for the region. When I talked to him, he seemed to imply that residents were partly to blame for the problems. He says they took too long to start looking for a new place. We were moving quickly and furiously to get these folks into new, decent, safe and sanitary housing that was lead free. But it was also incumbent, I think, on some of the families to engage early in the process and not everyone did. Uh, The relocation counselors didn't get in and started doing work until very late in the process. So they did come on late in the process, and I would say that's probably one of the lessons we learned. That mobility service needs to be linked up and start um, right at the beginning, but ECHA and HUD were providing them the resources they need. So here we are, a year later, with some former residents like Demetra still struggling to find housing. I catch her on the phone in July. That afternoon, she's on the bus from Joliet to Whiting, Indiana, which is right next to East Chicago she's going to take a second look at a potential new home.
2: I'm excited about today. Can can you tell me
1: a little bit about the apartment? Oh, absolutely, it's beautiful. Since then, Demetra has been in limbo, filling out housing applications, credit and background checks, and making super long public transit trips between Joliet and Whiting. It's been two years since she was ordered out of her polluted apartment in East Chicago. But just as I was finishing this story, I got the news. She moved into that apartment in Whiting She wrote, It feels great not to worry about insects in my house all the time, and to sleep, and not be on bug patrol. I love it. Reporting came from me, Kevin Stark. Special thanks to the Social Justice News Nexus at Northwestern's Medill School of Journalism. Support comes from the Conant Family Foundation. Next time on Curious City. We trace one synagogue's migration from
2: Maxwell Street. It was sort of a a used, rundown neighborhood when the Jews came. To North Lawndale. On hot summer nights before air conditioning, you'd take your pillows and you'd go sleeping in these parks. To West Rogers Park. In the 60s, in the afternoon Hebrew school, there were a thousand students.
1: A story about assimilation while maintaining cultural identity. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City.